This is YGTV and YG One-on-One, -on -one, sponsored by Right Now Media at Work, Flex Scripts, and C12. I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, CEO of the Young Guns Movement. Today, we're on set right here at Serendipity Labs going one-on-one -on -one with Dr. Mothan Kandula, founder and CEO of Advent. Let's go. On YGTV, we bring action-oriented entrepreneurs and free thinkers to the stage so we can be inspired, informed, and better understand how we can grow by breaking the rules of business. This show, it's a long-form sit-down with a CEO, business leader, or luminary to learn how they got there and what they can teach us. For more content shaking up the business industry, subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow our podcast. Today, we welcome Dr. Mothan Kandula, founder and CEO of Advent. Welcome to the Young Guns Podcast, bringing together entrepreneurs and business leaders that break the rules and challenge conventional wisdom. Thanks, and enjoy the show in three, two, one. On today's episode of YG One on One, our guest is Dr. Mothan Kandula, president and CEO of Advent. Welcome to the program today, sir. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for having me. Absolutely. So so let's start with Advent. Yeah. What is Advent exactly? Advent. Uh, we're a medical practice. Uh, we really focus on one area, which is the nose and throat. And so we treat folks who have uh, can't breathe through the nose, sinus issues, allergy issues, snoring issues, sleep apnea issues. Um, we call it the breathing triangle. So like I said, nose and throat, which is the start of life. You know, there's sort of like the superficial answer to that. And then the deeper answer is if th these areas aren't working properly for somebody, then they're, they're compromised um, and they're, they're boxed in. And so we protect that airway and we basically fix broken airways is another way to say that. Uh, so we've got a, a big, big reason to be. Yeah, well, I was really excited about this conversation because one of the things that I've noticed from afar mm -hmm. is you're crazy passionate about this stuff. I love it. it yeah. And that's interesting. How does one become passionate, not only about medicine, I mean, I, I can get that to some degree, but sure. where did the passion for ENT, the breathing triangle, well, when did you really start to know, hey, I got a love for this stuff? Yeah, I think it, it kind of goes both ways. I mean, I think for me, like the, the short answer is how I got in this field, because not many folks are like enamored with the nose as much as I am. But I think for me personally, you know, I've dealt with all these issues or many of these issues. I broke my nose when I was seven. I broke it again when I was in college. I've been through surgery. I've been through allergy shots. I've been there, done that. And, um, and I also know a life on the other side of that. I know how impactful these issues are, and I know how in my opinion, and properly treated, these issues are typically are, uh, and therefore it, it 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 makes me passionate about that. N knowing that in my hands and in the hands of of my providers, uh, we can change lives. We can have impact that's that's meaningful and massive. Um, you know, when you see that one time, it's really cool. When you see that consistently, it makes you say, I need to get the word out to as many people who are suffering with these issues needlessly so that we can get them in and we can get them some answers and get them the help that they need. Um, and so I think it, it, to me, I guess my passion comes from truth uh, and, and it's real. It's not, there's nothing manufactured about it. it. It's an understanding of my purpose, my place, 
the fortunate position I'm in to do what we do or do what I do and, and to be part of that team, um, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's impactful. It's, uh, it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, and not everybody's as fortunate as you where right. they find that passion. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you know a lot of people. I certainly know a lot of people that are just kind of going through the motions, looking for that next best thing. Right. And the fact that this is borderline a vocation for you is, is certainly a blessing, to say the least. Yeah. As you were growing up, when did you start to know, hey, this medicine field, uh, yep. go, going down this path, this is something that intrigues me. Is there, there's got to be a story behind sure. that, and I would yeah. certainly love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the kind of the cop-out answer, with the, which is true, I come from a family of physicians. So my, my dad is a doc, my mom is a doc, I've got two older sisters, they're both physicians, they're both married, their husbands are physicians, I'm the youngest in my family. So, you know, if you're down low and looking up at that, and you sort of say, you know, there's, it kind of hit me in two different ways. One is, you know, it, it's not so much nobody ever nobody ever, ever told me, hey, this is what you're going to do. But there's you grow up in a family of anything and it makes you at least uh, think about a world in that space or not in that space. And so for me, when I saw medicine as a kid, you know, I saw my parents who I looked up to and, I, and eventually my sisters and and saw an honorable profession and. You know, what I didn't recognize what I was seeing back then that I do recognize now is back in the old day, you know, all physicians uh, were entrepreneurs as well. They all, my dad had his own practice. My mom, you know, was an independent uh, practitioner. And so those, th that was just part and parcel of it. So to me, I guess dovetailing, you know, to where we sit today, I think it's both the medicine part that was fascinating to me uh, growing up, but also sort of uh, ownership uh, of yourself and your destiny. Those things, you know, were, were really, um, you know, I think impactful, but you don't know it when you're growing up. You're kind of, you know, an idiot kid as all kids are when you're ignorant, you know, but I think, it, and for me, the fork in the road, there's many forks in the road, but one fork in the road was, <clears throat> I don't like to do as I'm told. I like to do as I decided to be. Um, I think it's that entrepreneurial spirit. But for me, when I was kind of in, in high school, looking at college or, or what am I going to do with my life? There's a, almost this innate uh, bumping up against, uh, I don't want to do the obvious thing. Um, you know, like, isn't it, wouldn't it be ridiculous, ridiculous if I went into medicine, like everybody else in my family, like how pathetic is that? Uh, on the flip side, you know, what I recognized in college is the opposite is also pathetic. Wouldn't it be ridiculous if I didn't do what I felt and still feel like I was put on this earth to do just because uh, it's a stereotype, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, and I, I, I kind of came full, I had to come full circle, you know, to that decision. So when I went to college, I went to college and explored everything other than medicine, you know, as an anthropology major and religion major and a cultural anthropology major. And I, you know, it was big time on the radio station. I did everything I could possibly do to sort of explore that world to say, is medicine what I really want to do? And what I recognized is medicine is what I really want to do. And, and um, that journey, once you have that, once you, if you've never gone through that journey, it's kind of, uh, you know, I don't know, you can kind of go about your business, but once, you, once you've made that decision um, and, and gone through a process, it makes it 
more, uh, you have ownership over that. Yeah, well, I mean, what's it like growing up in a family with so many doctors? I mean, mm -hmm. I, it must be very lively conversation around the Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner table, to say the least. Um, yeah. But, but is, is, is this one of these things where it's a competitive environment? It's a nurturing, supported environment? You guys are pushing each other, sharing best practices? I mean, what's it like to have that many, I guess, successful people all in the same profession right. in such close proximity to you? Um, it's all I knew growing up. I honestly, my wife jokes about this, you know, when we were, I still, it, it, even though I'm, I'm really at, at this point more on the business side of our practice than on the medicine part of our practice, but I still, own, this is the construct of the world around me. So I, I when we were dating, I, my wife and I were dating, I looked at these big office buildings and I was like, what, what do you, what do, what do you do when you don't have a patient to take care of? Like it didn't, I didn't know there's this whole, I mean, you knew that there's a world that existed, but I actually didn't really understand, you know, that world outside of it. So, but no, I mean, just, I'd say to answer the question on what was it like growing up and that was, it was awesome. And I think part of that was not the medicine part. I think it was, I think to me, I mean, it, there's sort of an, an expectation of excellence, um, regardless of what you're going to get into. And that's an awesome thing for anybody to, anybody to have. So that's what I appreciate about, appreciate about my upbringing is, is that, you, that's expected. So I, I, I appreciate a high bar and I, I've tried to elevate myself to that bar and I try to carry that throughout my life too. So with my employees, with, with my leadership team, whomever it may be, you know, I think this world, the world that we currently live in, uh, I think one of the biggest poisons that exists in this world is the um, setting of, of bars low uh, for everybody. And, and there's sort of this, um, you know, it's not just the participa participation tro trophy mindset. It's sort of this, um, God, I'm gonna, we're gonna, we want to, I, I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to set this bar really low because you're going to be able to get to this bar. And isn't that nice? And, and to me, I, I think the, the, that's actually the op, that's actually hateful in my opinion. I'm going to set the bar high and I don't know if you can get there, but I'm going to do everything in my power to work with you to get there. Um, that's love. You know what I'm saying? And I think we've gotten into a society that, that sets that bar low. And then I think once you get to that bar, you don't know what do you what do you do past that? I think there's sort of this meaningless, moralist um, sense about folks these days, and and part of it is we just we've lowered our standards. So I don't know how I got on that topic, but I'm just saying that that that, that sort of uh, to me, growing up, it was. Um, a lot of these things were just unsaid. All of these things were unsaid. It was lead by example and seeing how my parents conducted themselves and uh, made their way um, really for them in a foreign country. I mean, they, they were the first uh, to come over to this country. And so those were lessons, I'd say almost more impactful than the medicine part of things. So much to unpack there. There's like four or five different follow-ups I'd love to take that on. Yeah. Awesome stuff. I'm just going to be quiet and let you roll for the next 30 minutes, man. You're doing yeah. outstanding. So, so let's talk about that because we're very synergistic in the sense that I, too, believe we have a societal problem where mm -hmm. it's setting that bar too low, participation ribbon. We've got this 
fascination as a society on feelings. Mm -hmm. And not to say the feelings are bad per right. se, but I can't hurt his feelings. Correct. I gotta be careful about Correct. this. Yeah, I yeah. don't wanna become across as the meanie. I don't wanna upset this person, but I think you'd probably be the first to agree that really growth happens all outside of the confines of your comfort zone. Absolutely. How are you gonna get somebody outside of the comfort zone if you don't push them? Mm -hmm. Here boss, here's my paper. You could do better. Absolutely. Hey, hey boss, here's my project. You could do better. And, and I'm sure you feel the same way in your life, but I've done some of the best achievements in my life when I've been pushed like that. So you talk about parents and children, and that's certainly good, but we have an entrepreneurial audience, business luminaries, top executives that watch this program, and they're probably thinking, well, it's easy for you because you've got practice with this. How do I get the best out of my employees yeah. without hurting their feelings? Right. How do I get them to be all that they can be without offending them? What has worked for you in your life, and how might you answer that for somebody that's looking for guidance on that topic? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot packed in there. I mean, I'd say part of it is leading by example. So if you are going to ask somebody to have a high bar, you better have a high bar yourself, and you better sort of, um, how do you say that? Uh, I think to me, to, to encourage or to allow or to lead somebody to try to be a better version of themselves, is an acknowledgement that we are all, you know, flawed in and of ourselves, but we're all trying to, to do something, you know, bigger, better. I don't know if everybody is. I, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't. I, I think there are many individuals who have don't want anything to do with that. I think maybe the first step in that journey is identifying what kind of person are you dealing with here, um, and if it's sort of. How do you say this? I think if it's truly hopeless and, and that's just not gonna happen, um, I, I think you kind of just need to acknowledge it, move on. I think though there are folks who are trapped in cages that we have put upon them. I'd say we're probably all trapped in these cages and either you wanna get out of that cage or you're, you kind of find your contentment within that cage. Um, and, and it's really identifying those that wanna get out of that. And those that wanna want get out of that, I think it's, it's also, speaking uh, out loud about, you know, this concept. So, you know, it, with my team, we acknowledge, I acknowledge the fact that we are asking more of you, you know, to be part of Advent means you have to, uh, uh, you know, you have to really be let in the door, you know, first of all, and that's an honor, you know, it's a commitment, it's an honor that is only done if you understand our core values and you understand the, that, you know, what that means. It's not sort of nice, um, it, it, how do you say, it? there's some prickly parts of our core values um, which are purposeful. I want it to be sort of like, I don't know if I want to be part of that. You know, they, they, one of our core values is, is having a stoic maverick mindset. What does that mean? And, and I'd say first part of that is asking somebody to ask that question. So if somebody comes in and reads my core values and doesn't ask that question, then that's that's all already a, de a demerit against you that says, you just thought that was like the thing that every healthcare system puts up on their wall, like the little nice thing that, this isn't that. Did you read that? Did you read, and there's little sub points beneath that. Did you understand that? It, it's really just sort of starting the conversation at a place where you, uh, out of the gate, are setting that high bar and having those conversations. And, you know, I think, again, it's the start of that. and. 
um, acknowledging that we're in this together and that's that's a, a noble noble thing. So one of the things that I'm picking up from this conversation is excellence. You, you expect excellence of yourself, which is why you're such an awesome leader. You expect excellence from your team. And although that might not make you the most well-loved person every single day, I have no reason to doubt that your team just doesn't really respect you because of that. My uncle uh, used to be a U.S. Marshal. Mm -hmm. so, so talk about somebody who is familiar with excellence. And we were talking one point and he just said, Paul, you, you, you can't expect people to rise to the level that you're at. Mm -hmm. I've always disagreed with that. And, and maybe I shouldn't, but I thought, you know, I'm not the only person that believes in excellence. Other people do as well. And I think they just need that someone else to believe in them, someone else to push them, someone else to see that excellence inside them. Yep. How would, what do you think of that statement? Obviously, like we said, you're, you're a very well-established person. Can you expect other people to have the same level of excellence that you exhibit? Or is that mission impossible for some reason? Yeah, I, I think you can expect that. Now you have to give them a way to get there. And I think this is what I've recognized over the kind of the arc of my career is back in the old days when, when I first started our practice, it was just me and I was a solo practitioner. People would come in from all over the place to come see Dr. Candula because, you know, he could get this job done. He could, I could help you. But what, and I, you know, humbly speaking, I'd say, and I was able to get results. I was able to, to, to deliver on that promise. How was I able to get excellent results? It was the processes that I was using to deliver those results. So what Advent is as a company at this point is a company that follows processes that work. And to me, that's excellence. You know, I think we uh, mistakenly sometimes think that excellence is like sort of this, oh, somebody, he was born with this sort of thing. But I think to me, true excellence is broken down to processes that work simple, actionable. You do this, you do it this way, it works. Uh, and, and there's various examples of that. But you know, for instance, I'd say, you know, one form of excellence is if you make your bed in the morning, you know, you're off to a really good day. That's a that's a great thing. So, you know, it doesn't mean everybody has to do that, but the world might be a better place if everybody got up and made their bed in the morning. So I, I think that's where, you know, I think this is one thing I'll, I absolutely loathe and on the flip side want to, you know, sort of make sure everybody's clear on is when you when you look at great people, great men, great women, great, there's a tendency to put those folks up on a pedestal, uh, make statues of them and point to, wow, that, 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 person. He was great. She was great. There was something predestined about that. And on the flip side, I'd say, fine to put them up on, on a pedestal, make a statue of them. But that statue should as much talk about, you know, their struggles, their flaws, um, what, uh, you know, the things that, you know, ran counter to that, the things they had to overcome to, 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 to achieve this. But, but everybody's three-dimensional. Nothing is two-dimensional that way. And I think we don't do anybody a favor um, by, you know, putting folks up on pedestals. Um, people are people. People are flawed. You know, flawed humans can do great things. And you can especially do great things when you acknowledge those realities and then say, yes, as flawed as we are, um, we can still do wonderful things, you know, and, and, and that's that's true. And so I'd say both ways. I think for me as a company, you know, uh, I, I'll, I'll go right on myself. I am able to do things I would never have been able to do if not for being part of a great company. Now, 
because I started it, does that mean, well, that, do, I, do I get credit for that? Well, I kind of do in the eyes of many, but I also am lucky to be part of something like that. And, and it goes both ways. And therefore, uh, my duty at this point is to be a really good caretaker, take care of this thing that is so precious and valuable to me and to, the, to society around us, and, and to do the best of my job. And, and for my employees uh, in their various roles, Let's, let's, let's define what excellence looks like. Excellent isn't a nebulous concept, it's what you do day in, day out. It's, it's the grind. It is that process that sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you kind of sometimes can forget what the end result's gonna look like. But that's where, and we're, we, I think any company can, can be more dialed in on this, and we're trying to be more dialed in, dialed in as a company, is understand the why. And if you understand the why and understand your place as part of that why, then you can do you can do anything. Anything is possible. If you don't understand the why, then, then nothing is really worth doing. Well, let's uh, give you a taste of your own medicine here, I suppose, because I agree with what you said in terms of being authentic, being vulnerable, mm -hmm. and being able to overcome adversity. Anybody that's on that pedestal from a statue perspective has had to struggle in their lives. Sure. What was the, the greatest piece of adversity that you faced getting to this point and how were you able to overcome those challenges? Oh man, I don't know how, much, how long we have. I mean, I, am, I, I have failed in so many different ways, way more than however much success I've ever had. Um, you know, for instance, I, I could go, you, I could literally start this from you know, on any angle, but I am, uh, I, one clear example is, I didn't get into medical school the first time I applied. Now, there are a lot of people who didn't get to medical school who just stopped there and said, well, that sucks, and maybe find something else to do. But to me, that was more of a, a the world telling me, is this really what you want to do? And if so, what are you going to do about it? And then that's what I did. Now, at the end of med school, you go into, uh, you figure out what special you want to go into, and then you apply for residency, and you go down that road. I figured out in med school, you know, well, I had my ENT, issue, ENT issues in my life. I didn't really figure it out until I was in med school that I wanted to go into ENT as a specialty. Now, the challenge is ENT is a very, very um, difficult specialty to get into. There's not many spots. It's very, very competitive. And so, you know, Bozo here doesn't figure that out until the end of med school is not necessarily sitting in pole position in far, as far as getting into residency. So when I, this, the loser who didn't get into medical school, then when, when this loser applied to go into ENT residency, I didn't get in. So same thing. The world is sort of saying to me, well, is this really what you want to do? Because um, there's a lot of easier pathways out there for you. And so, you know, for me, it was, yeah, this is, uh, once I realized that this is, this is the field for me, it was like, I, why would I, I'm, I'm not going to not do this. I'm going to figure out a way to do this. And, and, and long story short, I mean, this, I'm just sort of focusing on this one angle, but it was a no, and then figure out a way how you're going to make that a yes. And for me, in the ENT vein, it was no, and I applied again, and it was a no, and it was a uh-uh. I don't, I don't play that no game. Um, not that I had, I mean, I, I'm, I can put myself in that moment and how low you feel and how, um, you know, you're, you're, I mean, again, that loser term, I don't wear that lightly. I, I'm a proud loser. Um, you know, it's an odd, it's a badge of honor. I, the, the war wounds that I've withstood are the only reason I'm where I'm at right now. 
but and I just we just had our uh, uh, annual company meeting a few months ago, and I, I, I went through my whole kind of life story, and it's and that life story. Uh, starts, you know, not to get into too much like the, the history, but a hundred years ago, my grandparents, like my grandparents, my my personal, uh, my, the parents of my parents, obviously, you know, th they were four people in dirt poor in India, illiterate. None of them could read. None of them can write. Uh, and so it's a miracle to go from that to wherever I am right now. Like that's a true miracle. Um, and so me not getting into med school, where does that fall in the grand scheme of things? So back to you, you're asking about my upbringing. I think part of that upbringing is this acknowledgement of how special, um, you know, a lot of things are, how special this country is, how special opportunity is, how, um, you know, unlikely this situation is. And um, again, back to this low, these low bars that exist, I think, I don't think people recognize uh, how much each of us have been given, especially in this country, especially in this era, especially in, well, we're in 2021 right now, but I'd say in 2020, you know, a lot of our conversations, a lot of conversations I was having uh, in, in my company were how fortunate we are to be here right now. In, in, in this pandemic right now, uh, we are still the most fortunate people who have ever lived on the face of this earth today. Not in 2019, in 2020, isn't that wonderful? You know, and I'd, I'd say you can go both ways that way. One, you can kind of turn somebody off who's like, well, you know, he doesn't get that there's a, people are dying. People are dying that, you know, people have died, you know, through people die all the time. And I'd say, well, how do you make that? How, how do you take, you know, sort of something good out of that? And you say, you know, life is not forever. And you can see this very clearly. The world is trying to tell you something in 2020. Are you listening? You know, you, you, we, the, the, our life will end someday. And, and how do you want that to you know, go down. What do you want? What, what's the mark that you want to leave on this world? Um, that's a good question to see. I mean, that, that, that's something that's a question worth asking. And I think if things are always good, you never ask that question. Well, let's go a little bit to overcoming that adversity a little bit, because one of the things that and I've been very vocal about this on social media, on, on television programs such as this, when I was in college and even early in my adult life, I struggled a lot with mm -hmm. anxiety. Mm -hmm. Just just a very hard-charging person. Am I going to succeed? Am I going to do the things that I want to do? When you set borderline unrealistic expectations on yourself and you don't meet them, that can start a cycle of depression, mm -hmm. uh, a cycle of I'm worthless. Being in a spot like that can be hard to get out of. And when you're a hard-charging alpha male, hard-charging mm -hmm. alpha female, whatever the case is, I'm going to medical school. I'm studying for medical school. Mm -hmm. Boy, howdy, I can't wait to go to medical school. I was rejected from medical school. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, th that is a low, low. And obviously, where you are right now, obviously, you, you, you're stuck with it. You're doing great things with Advent, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. But what would your advice be for business executives, C-suite executives, top performing, hard charging people that are in a low point right now? Yeah. How do they get out of it? It's one thing to say, buck up. It's another thing to say, you know, hang in there. Things will turn around. But, but when you're feeling down and those emotions are just swirling all over you, I hear what you're saying, but it's not resonating. Yeah. Well, what would your advice be for those people that are in that kind of a spot right now? I guess my simple advice would be reframe what you're seeing. Um, because I think, it, 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 to me, I guess another way to say that is uh, t 
right this moment in time is a, a placed in the story that I have in my head that's going. And that story that you're telling yourself about the, the events that are happening in front of you is the, the thing that matters. And you, you have the same, I mean, it's, uh, to me, in my strong opinion, you take two individuals and you have the exact same events in front of them. And the, if there's um, sort of a morbid story in one person's head and a you know, winning story in somebody else's head, those same events are going to lead to entirely distant, different destinies. And I, I'd say you can't control everything, but you can control everything that you can control, um, which I, is what I guess my, my common you know, refrain would be that. I get it, it sucks. I mean, it depends on the situation, but you know, this thing that's sitting in front of you that you didn't want to happen has now happened. That sucks. And I think there's, there's absolutely you know, time and place and a good reason to acknowledge that and sort of say, that sucks. I mean, that 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 is not what I wanted. Uh, but then it's a, what am I going to do now? How can I control that sequence of this? What are my options? You know, it's it really to me, it's just problem solving, and it's sort of saying, you know, where do we go from here, kind of a thing. You know, short of truly um, the end of days for somebody, the, you know, short of that, you know, then you don't you don't have you know, we all hopefully I don't you know I'm hoping I have a tomorrow. I'm going to do everything I can today to make sure that tomorrow is what I want it to be, or even better, kind of a thing. But nothing is promised, and you know, I, I'd say without any question in my mind, anybody who's had any success in their life has, has by definition, has had to suffer, has had to struggle. Um, those things go hand in hand, um, and that's a good thing. I mean, that, that's that's a great thing, and so it's it's sort of the enjoy the suck, enjoy the the the, the that kind of arduous arduous nature of things. Um, on the flip side, I, and I, I don't, we don't, I certainly don't do enough of this, but I'd say, you know, celebrate your wins too. You know, I think though most people, I'm included, is I will sit and ponder my losses like nobody's business, and I think, that, I think that's part of that same mindset mentality um, because that's how it, that's how it works. I mean, I guess the same things that make somebody successful are the the, the same things that are almost. Pathologic when you think about them, where if somebody's, you know, I'm thinking about football right now in my head, but if somebody's, you know, 10 and 8, um, man, I bet you I can guarantee you they spent 100 times more on the 8 than they did on the 10. But that's how, that's how they're going to get to the 11, if that makes sense. That's how they're going to get to that next success is, is understanding those those lessons. So, but it's not easy. Well, it's funny you mentioned that. It's also funny you mentioned football. So yeah. I, I think a lot of people are going to say Vince Lombardi was one of the greatest football coaches yeah. that ever coached. And I think Vince, to some degree, uh, suffered from what you're talking about. Uh, after a, a win back in the, the olden days, I suppose, the Lombardi family would have a, a party at their house that have all their friends over. And there, there was a, a show called The Football Life on uh -huh. ESPN. And they actually showed this. Yeah. After a win, Vince is the life of every party. Yeah. He's just laughing and yucking it up. But as the night wore on, yep. you start to see his demeanor change. He starts to isolate himself. He starts to go off in a corner. And as it's narrated by his family, they'd say, yeah, because he celebrated the victory for about two hours. Yep. And then he started thinking about the next week's game and right. that, that demeanor totally changed. Sure. So, so I can see why that's a, a blessing and a curse. Um, what do you do to celebrate your successes, because you've had a lot of them. Yeah. And to some degree, I'm th sitting here going, well, geez, you're not celebrating, not to say you, but some people don't celebrate their success. Well, then what are we doing all this for, <laughs> if not to at least enjoy it? Yeah. How do you force yourself to some degree to enjoy what you've been able to accomplish? 
Yeah, I, I don't do as good, good of a job as I should do, which is a cop-out answer um, kind of a thing. I, I think there are, uh, what I'm trying to do, I guess, let me say that, I'm flawed in that way. And, um, and I, I guess I, I'd say what I do is acknowledge that flaw. What I do is really trying to reflect when there is an anniversary. So Advent's anniversary is November 1st, 2004. That's when Advent was born. Um, and so when, I don't actually have it on my calendar, I should, I should actually have it there. But when that day comes, um, I, every year, I'll uh, sort of kind of sit and think about that and, and just reflect. And, you know, when I reflect, I'd say, well, you know, for instance, when Advent was, now I'm taking this a little bit of direction, but I'm saying, Advent's birth was in turmoil and trauma, and you know, and I remember fondly how uh, frightening that situation was. And I think to me, it's like, if not for the fright, I wouldn't have the the nice thing. And so I don't actually, I guess maybe to answer your question in a different way, I feel like every day I take, and I don't do this necessarily as a process, but I, I think I'm, I'm consistently grateful for the little things. <clears throat> and, and then the big things are both really cool, um, but it's almost, it's almost sort of, it's almost outside of me. And I kind of like to keep it that way. Uh, I like to be, you know, sort of, again, if you, I think if you keep your focus on those things that are uh, simple, um, that's a good place to, that's a good, good headspace to, to, to live in um, versus, you know, going, you know, gangbusters and bonkers over, you know, we did this thing. That's great. But I think back to Vince Lombardi and I watched that same thing and I loved it as you, you saw his, you know, his facial expressions change is it's about the journey. You know what I'm saying? So I think these things that are really cool, they're cool in isolation, but they're really cool as part of a journey. And so for me, back to celebrating things, it's like celebrate, but it, it, it is back to this, this story analogy. It's, it, you're, I'm, I'm writing this book and as I'm reading it, it's like, man, that was awesome. I can't wait to see what's gonna happen in that next chapter. And it, this might be you know, a really sad chapter, but I really wanna see what's gonna happen there. And so I think to me, back to the reason I don't celebrate necessarily as much, is I'm excited for the next thing. Um, more excited, because I think when you, if you have a goal, it's not so much the achievement of that goal is what I think many people think, oh yeah, you wanna do that thing. I want to head in that direction and then, you know, when I get there, and I think for Advent in particular, is when we get to a certain point, it's like, well, that's great. Take a moment to suck, you know, oh, that's great, great view. Look at that thing. That's where we're going. And I think that's, that's the thing. Um, that's what I look forward to. That's my, my reward is the journey. When you talk about growing, I mean, Advent has been growing like gangbusters since that day on November 1st. And yep. to, to say that 2020 has been a year of disruption, I think would be a gross understatement to say the least. And regrettably, hundreds of thousands of small businesses have closed their doors forever. Mm -hmm. Livelihoods were ruined mm -hmm. um, for a variety of reasons. S several businesses are really struggling right now. And uh, thanks in large part to your leadership, Advent is actually on the other side of the spectrum where you guys added four locations during a global pandemic year. That doesn't happen by accident. That doesn't happen by luck. You strike me as a very humble man, so I'll toot your horn for you. <laughs> you set the tone as the leader and you are setting a tone of excellence and success 
But for the other people that might be watching this right now to say, well, I don't have his intangibles. I don't have the same skill sets. That may be true, but I think there's some lessons to be learned mm -hmm. from what you're doing with Advent and from how Advent is growing at the rate that it is. How have you been able to have all of this success, especially during a pandemic-stricken year, and what can others learn from it? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, the, the, my superpower is, is having that why behind what we do. So our why as an organization is we unlock potential. That's what we do every day when we show up for work. You know, when, we, when somebody is interacting with Advent, that's what we're tra trying to do. If somebody is trapped behind, you know, uh, an airway that's broken, uh, our job is to get the, get the word out to that person that we might be able to help you and then to help that person. So that's a big why. Um, and so that's that's fundamental if you don't have and it doesn't have I mean for us we're in healthcare it's very very specific uh, it's it's not it doesn't take much effort to kind of drum up some emotions around that because it's it's like I said when you, or, you know when you see that happening it's like oh I, I got that I think it's it, it might be a little bit more difficult if you kind of have to abstract yourself away from something for instance uh, you know if I was I always go to sub sandwiches. Not that I have anything against sub sandwiches. I would be a whore. I would have. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be opening up sub shops in 2020 because I have no inherent. Because I wouldn't understand my why as it relates to that, and therefore I might just sort of find myself stuck in that malaise. Um, but but there is nobility in that. I don't know what it is because it's not my thing. But I'm just saying it's finding that the the nobility in what you're doing, believing in it, and then figuring out how you want to you know sort of bring that out to the world. Um, but that, that, there's something simple and elegant about that, um, you know, and for us as a company, I'd say that why is there, and it's something we kind of have, have, have really pondered and thought about. We, I didn't have that why in 2004. It was really more of a, I was an ENT, let me start an ENT practice and try to be the best ENT I can have or can be. And then over time, my patients taught me like, hey, this is something really important. And when you do this, it really is a, is, it's a game changer. Oh, and then it's sort of like, for me, what that was teaching me was, well, I need to figure out a way to make sure we can get this out to more people. So how do we create an organization that does that, uh, you know, kind of a concept. And then it's sort of back to that, well, 2020 or no 2020, we have a plan and we're working off this plan and, um, you know, uh, you know, with COVID or no COVID, you know, we, we've set a goal to, to get out and reach more people. We should, we should do that. And, and so I think part of that's just, I don't know. I, I, I do feel like some of that, somebody has to look inside themselves and understand truly what are you here for um, and be honest about that. If, if, if the reason that you're here is to, you know, make a nice profit and that's fine, you know, but, but it, that has to get you jazz. It has to be something that, that energizes you. Um, otherwise, it's just not going to, you know, it's both not going to be meaningless to you and it's not going to get you anywhere, um, you know, kind of a concept. Yeah. Talk to me about the correlation between success and health. Mm -hmm. And I think, that, I think the health aspect is one of the things that entrepreneurs can struggle with from time to time, especially when you're working in your business as opposed to on your business. Mm -hmm. yep. Maybe you don't have time to prepare meals in advance. Maybe you don't have time to go to the gym 30 minutes every day. Maybe you barely have time to get out of bed in the morning. Right. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff yeah. that are coming towards an entrepreneur. But, you know, you, you hear this. Well, I'll get three hours of sleep. I'll go to bed when the job's done. You know, rise and grind. Just get at it for 18, 19 hours a day. Yeah. What is the correlation? that you've seen between success and health and why are entrepreneurs so well served to make their health a top priority? 
It's crucial, honestly. And I, I guess I, I'd absolutely walk the walk that way, meaning that, you know, I think yeah, there's always an excuse, you know, not to get enough sleep and to eat, you know, crappy and to not exercise. Um, those are, it's so, it's so easy to kind of get caught in that trap. And there is definitely this sort of false narrative that that's somehow good. Like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna pull an all-nighter, I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna grind it out, and I'm just gonna keep doing that, and that's that's a great thing. Um, that doesn't, that, that's not sustainable, and it's, it's not, it doesn't achieve greatness. So for me personally, on the health angle, it was, I, I, I honestly and absolutely believe this to be true, about 11 years ago, I, was frustrated that I wasn't able to find the time in a day or a week at that point of just working out, couldn't exercise. So it was, I'm gonna get up early, I'm gonna make sure I get it done first thing in the morning, and you know, it wasn't a big grand plan. And I've, I've done that, you know, pretty much every day for the last 11 years. I'm up at 4.30, working out in the morning, winning the day, and what, what I feel like that's, that does for me is it is a sort of a lesson to myself Number one, I'm going to start the work, start the day out with a, with hard things. Number two, I'm going to take care of myself because if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of all that I that's important to me. Um, and I've honestly found that that time when I'm doing that is where I come up with the best ideas. It's almost this weird dynamic where the biggest and best decisions I've ever made for Advent have happened at five o'clock in the morning when I'm up, I'm you know up on my pull up bar and I'm like ah, I got it. So all I would say is. And I don't know this is universal. I wouldn't say everybody needs to do that, but I'm just saying take care of yourself. Certainly, if you have a company that you are leading or that you're starting, um, the, to me, it, conceptually, it's it's an entity. It's it's not a person, but it's a living, breathing kind of a thing. And you know, everybody does the analogy with the oxygen mask, but there's something about that. If if you want to take care of this thing, you got to take care of yourself in order to take care of this thing. And and you have to do that. There's no it's not like a nice to have, it's a must have, um, you know, kind of a concept. And, and, and I think that's so easy to lose sight of. Um, back to, because we're human and we're flawed and we get really easily distracted and we think that if I have an, if I have an hour, I might as well just put it into the business over here. Um, and I'll, you know, if I never get around to going to the gym, that's okay, that's fine. It's not okay. You know, I think that's where, you know, it, you can have both, well, you can't have everything, but you have to set your priorities and, you know, kind of have your life match up with those things. Well, I got to tell you, Dr. Candula, I mean, you just got done talking about taking care of. I think you're, you're doing a phenomenal job, not only taking care of yourself, you're taking care of your patients, taking care of your employees, quite frankly, taking care of business and also taking care of our viewers here today. I, I believe we've learned an awful lot from you here on YG One-on-One, -on -one. and one of the things I think I've got one of the greatest jobs on earth. I get to ask you questions, but I get just as motivated, inspired as everybody else watching this. So thank you for taking time to, to appear on the program here. We really do appreciate it. And yeah, it's a, uh, it's a privilege to have this conversation with you to say the least. Thank you, this is great, this is great. I appreciate it. Thanks to Dr. Candula for sitting down on set at Serendipity Labs, sponsored by Right Now Media at Work, Flex Scripts, and C12. We want to feature the CEOs and executives that inspire you. Let us know who you'd like to see by connecting with us on our website or social media platforms. And make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and don't forget our podcast so you don't miss a single episode of YGTV. 
I'm your host, Paul M. Newberger, CEO of the Young Guns Movement. We'll see you next time.